0: It's the Pig Noise Podcast. I'm your host, James. And I'm Kai. And we're back for another wonderful, wonderful week of game news and interesting topics to bring you. This week we're going to be talking about what games we've been playing this week. We're going to talk about Gotham Knights and Tactic Ogres Reborn. We're going to talk about... MMOs and their ability to retain or not retain a player base. We're going to bring you a board game of the week recommendation, courtesy of Kyle. And then we're going to talk about the future of the podcast, next episodes, and what you can expect from us going down the line. So without further ado, let's get into it. Kyle, how's
1: Tactic Ogres? Tactic Ogres? Ogres. For those of you who don't know, it is actually a remake from a game that uh, came out in 1995. I think I was two when this game came out. <laughs> I was just being born. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so it is. It is a. Re- it is a remaster. That's why they call it reborn. A yeah, remake, remaster, whatever we want to call it. But like it, you can see where the the 1995 stuff shines through. Like, the the character dialogue is atrocious. It is written so poorly. So with some of their dialogues, it's like the cringiest thing I've ever read.
0: Is it just bad writing, or is it we're just thinking about it in a 2022 mindset when it was written in
1: 1995? It's just bad writing. It's well, I can't fault that. Yeah, it's it's just that 1995, like, adventure hero writing. It's just like, okay. why would you do this? You're my sister. It's like, it's terrible writing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: things were different back then, and writing was a little bit more simple. They didn't have as much ability to uh, give you emotion or uh, inflection or expansive dialogue, they really had to compress these things down. The games used to fit on, you know, megabyte cartridges.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I get that. So I don't, I only take some of the dialogue with, like, a grain of salt, and I'm just like, oof, this is a little cringy. But like, <laughs> like, story-wise, the game, it, it, it just throws you right into it. Yeah. So I was like, I have no idea what's going on, actually. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, why are we fighting? Let me, I have to do a you to do a lot of reading. Is it? Okay. Yeah, you have to pretty much read every character's backstory. You're like, ah, uh, okay, that's why we're fighting.
0: Okay, there's no there's no assumption of prior knowledge or uh, any introduction to that knowledge other than re- reading, like, a Codex entry.
1: Yeah, so, like, they do, like, a little cutscene when the game starts. People are attacking a village, and they're like, okay, bad guys. And then it... Jumps years later, and they're like, "We're fighting the bad guys," and I'm like, "Well, who are the, who are the bad guys? Who who are the good guys? <laughs> what is going on?" <laughs> yeah, so whose side am I on? Yeah, it's definitely that old. It's like games were just starting to come up. These tactic games with stories and stuff are just starting to come up. That's like the story's not really there. It's, it's kind of there, but you can mm-hmm. tell they just concentrated only on, like, the tactics gameplay of it. Yeah, and
0: they they loosely surrounded it with a story to justify its
1: existence. Pretty much. That's what I'm feeling with this game. I'm only still in Chapter 1, so I'm not, like, trying to judge it too hard, because I want to see if it's actually going to pick up and get better. Yeah. But a lot of... I spent a lot of time just, like, reading the game guide, like, trying to figure out what stuff means, because it does a very poor job. Of explaining anything, mm. it's like, oh, you move your character this, and then this is how you attack, and uh, yeah, good luck.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, it uh, seems like very early or late '90s, early 2000s video game logic, where yeah. it's not super deep and difficult, so they don't, th- they didn't think that you would need too much handholding, unlike games today with you know hugely. Complicated and in-depth systems that need 16 tutorials to get you through.
1: Yeah, but even like games nowadays, with, like these like super in-depth like mechanics, their tutorials like flow so much easier than trying to figure out what every stat is. Like I'm like, all right, well, how do I like make my stuff be stronger? And so it's just like, oh, this potion does this, and I'm like, well, what's that word mean? And I have to go and look that word up. It's <laughs>
0: You need a second dictionary just to understand how the game works. Yeah, just understand
1: what some of the status effects and whatnot are. Yeah. And it, it doesn't do... I think they need the update to update the tutorial for it. Yeah. Like, when you go into the shop, it'd be like, alright, this is the menus. This is what buying and selling does. When it enters the shop, it's like, yeah, you can click on your party and go to the shop and buy things. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> they like explained to me that like I would have to buy tons and tons of extra potions and stuff because the game's gonna auto refill my potions. Is I'm just figuring a lot of it out on my own, which like yeah. I don't mind doing because I'm just used to playing a lot of games where it's just, like figure it out.
0: Yeah, but for somebody that's just coming into the series or just finding this game that came out from a developer, you know, with as story to past as I believe this is Square Enix. Yeah, it's Square Enix. So you know, as a, as somebody that maybe just found this game, it seems
1: like maybe it would be a little difficult for a newcomer. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just I know nowadays with gamers, if the game doesn't explain things properly, people are just not going to like it. Yeah, I can people... I
0: can already see that uh, maybe the Steam reviews for this game might be a
1: little negative. I think they're going to be mixed. Um, Yeah, it's... If you're a fan of Tactic RPGs, uh, it, I, I, I say get it, because you're going to like it. Like I love Tactic RPGs, especially anything that's like 8-bit, 16-bit, 32-bit style, that 2D style. Yeah. I love them. So, like, if you're one of those... If you're like me, like, one of those players, like, get the games. It's, it's going to scratch that itch that you're yeah. looking for. What if it... If it's not, if this is gonna be your first like 2D tactics RPG, I just recommend like Disgaea or something.
0: Yeah, something that'll give you a little bit more of an introduction into the genre or into the mechanics of you know a tactics RPG. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense because y- yeah, I I definitely agree that uh, it seems like the current crop of games, or at least games that have been coming out for. Probably, I'd say about the last ten years have been getting more and more handholdy for a lot of things. So we're getting games that are over tutorializing uh, their mechanics and making sure that you you have a UI element for you know every
1: little thing and everything's clearly and plainly explained. Yeah, so, like, I know a lot of, some games like, uh, mostly a lot of games when they handhold too much, it just I just lose interest in them very quickly. Yeah, because there's no difficulty.
0: There's no mystery. Uh,
1: that's probably, like, games like Dark Souls and Elden Ring, or, like, stand out so much for me, because it's like here's the attack button, here's how the roll, this is how you interact with things, have fun. Yeah.
0: And then everything else is a kind of
1: pick-your-own-adventure. Yeah, it's like figure it out, and but, like, a great thing with it is, like, the, the UI does a good enough job of explaining what things do mm-hmm. without me having to, like, super worry about it. I feel like with Tactics Ogre, I'm, like, on my phone looking things up. And yeah, I, shouldn't have that, to do that. I shouldn't have to do that. No, that's,
0: that's a clear sign of a game that is either from a different era where these things weren't necessarily... Part of the uh, culture, or a game that really doesn't understand how how difficult it is, or how thematic it is, because your theming can definitely
1: get in the way of gameplay. Yeah, definitely, <clears> hundred percent. <throat> so I'm hoping that like as I play through the game more, the, the story picks up and it's like explain explain things a little more to me. Yeah, and hopefully introduce like a little more tutorials, so I don't have to figure out everything on my own. Yeah. Because no one wants to sit there and read through page after page after page after page of text just to, like, understand base game mechanics.
0: Yeah, because that definitely gets a little old after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Becomes
1: becomes homework instead of playing a video game. Yeah, so, like, a lot of it's just... And a lot of the games just like, experimentation, which I don't mind. like games that make you have to experiment on things but mm-hmm. i uh, i think i put in like uh 3 4 hours into it already and i've just been a lot a lot i think an hour and a half of that's been reading <laughs> yeah that that definitely detracts from the experience of the game for
0: sure i can i i can relate to that i especially feel that um something that i think that a lot of video games don't necessarily get but i have seen it in a few uh is Ease of access of information, especially for if you've put a game down for a little while. Um, like, I put down God of War recently and picked it back up after about two weeks. Couldn't remember how to do one thing, and there's absolutely no information in that game for how to actually do stuff, um, at least some of the more basic mechanics. And I just had to sit there and spam
1: buttons until I figured out what I was tr- trying to do. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember an exact example off the top of my head, but I hate... Oh, it's uh, Star Wars um, Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. I went to go play to continue where I left off like months ago. Yeah. And I, I'm like halfway through the game, and I jump in, and I'm like, I don't remember any of the controls. Yeah. And there's there's no like thing in the options to show you these controls, so I, I had to start a new game, because I just it was getting to the point where you, I couldn't figure out the, the controls. Yeah, I couldn't figure out the controls and I couldn't progress because I was getting ruffle stomped. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's there's very few games out there that understand the line between a guided cinematic and a helpful tutorial.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the thing is with some of these cin- cinematic games like God of War, Star Wars, Fallen Order is... I think the designers plan them so you would play them like a sitting. Mm, yeah, like like you get God of War Ragnarok and they expect you to sit there and play God of War Ragnarok from start to finish.
0: Yeah, or at least play it every night for you know until you beat it.
1: Yeah, that, no, that's what I mean. No
0: huge gaps. Yeah,
1: like oh, you're you're playing God of War. you're buying God of War, you're playing God of War, so you're done God of War. You're not thinking about other games. And exactly. I think that's just a bad model to follow. Yeah.
0: It's definitely it's definitely disingenuous to from of the the developer to think that you're just gonna sit there and play only their game,
1: no matter how big the game is. Yeah. So um, my final review for Tactics Ogre is if you're on the fence about it, but you're a longtime tactics RPG fan, I say go ahead and pull the trigger. If this is gonna be your first game in the genre, I would wait. For it to either be on sale, come on Game Pass or or anything like that, I would I would just hold off.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, well. Uh, hopefully you'll progress once you progress through the game. Well, maybe we'll get a little bit different of a uh, review, maybe more resounding recommendation. But for now, yeah, I can definitely respect that review. So that's Tactics Ogre, just came out recently. What uh, what platforms is that game on? Uh, I
1: personally bought it on the Switch, but it is available on PC as well.
0: Alright, cool. Yeah, so if you have a Switch or you're playing on PC, definitely consider checking out Tactics Ogre. Uh, I've been playing I've got at least I want to say eight hours um, over the last couple weeks into Gotham Knights. Now, before I get into the game, no conversation regarding DC or Batman or any property that relates to Batman can really begin without um, considering or understanding right now that we lost a pillar of the entertainment community and the representation of a fictional character for a whole multiple generations of people Um, this week we lost Kevin Conroy to cancer Kevin Conroy being the voice of Batman from the animated series starting in the 90s and following a 30-year career voicing the character across both animation and live action. Um, So it is a terrible, terrible time right now for any fans of either animation or Batman or comic books
1: yeah I was really I was really sad when I heard because um he for those who know he he voiced Batman in everything, just from about, the, yeah, From the original anime series all the way through the Injustice games, he's the voice of Batman, yeah for for m- multiple generations,
0: if you ask them, who is your Batman, Kevin Conroy is usually the first person that comes to mind. He had a prolific career and had pretty much defined who Bruce Wayne and who Batman are for any medium and definitely performed it with the utmost care. So we've definitely lost somebody amazing. Um... Notwithstanding, I like I said, I've been playing Gotham Knights for the last few weeks, and I <laughs> I have a lot to say about this game. Oh, I may not be I may not be too deep into the game, um, but it really kind of bears it all within the first few hours of gameplay. Um, the game <laughs> definitely has its own controversies uh, pre-launch. Um, I'm playing it on PC, but it is available on, I believe, all platforms except for Switch. Switch can't handle it. Well, see, that's the that's one of the controversies regarding this game is the performance on mo- on all modern current generation consoles. That's that being the Xbox Series X and the PS5. They've been uh, introducing performance modes in video games, so they allow you to sacrifice some certain amount of visual fidelity for higher frame rate. As we're seeing new and new displays in the larger format category, uh, mainly televisions, uh, coming out with support for high frame rate, high frame rates. Uh, I know that uh, LG specifically has multiple series of OLED televisions that support up to 120 hertz, which in a home entertainment system has been completely absent for much of the lifespan of popularized high frame rate gaming. And Gotham Knights took a departure from a lot of its contemporaries Uh and decided that it would not have any form of performance mode on modern consoles so that means that no matter what resolution your TV is no matter what your television supports or the console supports the game would run at native resolution 30 FPS
1: yeah I I remember they were um, a lot of people we're super excited, and then they heard the news I was going to be stuck at thirty FPS, and everybody threw a fit.
0: Yeah, especially for an action adventure third person kind of. Uh, I want to. I, I, I hesitate to call it a fighting game because it's it's more action adventure than fighting, but it definitely has. It's mostly melee combat. It's just a. It's just a up. Yeah, it's a beat 'em up, and thirty FPS. While yes, that's been the standard for a. Med- a larger majority of video games history than it isn't is just it's antiquated at this point it's it's not what people are getting used to people are spending you know mo- many thousands of dollars on their just their televisions to get these high frame rate support and for a game from a massive developers uh WB Montreal I believe that's the developer for this game, is uh, WB Montreal. I know it's not Rocksteady. It's not related to any of the Arkham games. But for a game like this, from a developer like that, to come out and not support a high frame rate, kind of definitely, justifiably, got people angry. Yeah, I
1: I would be angry.
0: It it, it it definitely started with (laughs) one foot in the grave. And so when it actually launched... It really it needed to knock everything out of the park to justify, you know, being that steadfast in making what most people would de- would agree is a poor decision. I'm not gonna say it's the wrong decision because that's ultimate. The right decision is ultimately up to the developer and what they can do. But I digress. <laughs> the game definitely fails to live up to what it needs to. Um, While I'm playing it at a... probably a smooth 60 or more on uh, my 3070 Ti equipped laptop, I'm not seeing the benefits of that because I think the game sacrificed fluidity and action... Tempo for the deference to frame rate on the consoles, because a lot of the movements and the attacks and the combat feels very heavy and very slow uh, even pl- even playing as Nightwing, who is the Circus performer, gymnast, parkour specialist you would think that he would be very fast. But even playing as him, a lot of his movesets are very slow, and the combat feels like it takes a long time.
1: That's, uh... Well, I, I don't know, was the combat in the old Arkham series? It wasn't necessarily, like, super slow. You're you're just like Batman. He doesn't really punch, like, the Flash or super fast. But No,
0: but... What the Arkham Games did that differentiated them, or 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 really set the standard for what people were expecting this game to follow, at least in combat, is that it gave you a sense of your ability to control a whole, a huge crowd. Uh, Because in the Arkham Games, you could fight a whole crowd and just bounce around and go from one enemy to the next enemy and it felt fluid, and it felt like you were able to deal out a lot of damage very quickly. Um, I think that the Arkham games utilized a healthy amount of slow-mo to not necessarily make it seem like you were moving any faster, but to give you the impression that Batman was thinking faster than the enemy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that fits for his character.
0: Exactly. And I'm not saying that the knights who you play in Gotham Knights being Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, Tim Drake's Robin, and Jason Todd's Red Hood, I'm not saying that they have to be Batman. They're certainly not Batman in any way, shape, or form. But the game definitely makes you feel that way more than you should. Oh, uh, okay. So, I have a gripe mostly with the performance of the game. I'm seeing that the game is running at, you know, a high, high frame rate, and my device is capable of using utilizing that, but you're not rewarded for it. So, it definitely feels like they made a sacrifice there.
1: Yeah, I was looking at some of the reviews on Steam for it currently, and the main complaint people seem to have is they'll be in a fight at 60 frames per second, and then the frame rate just drops to 10. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like imagine, the development... I can't imagine what that feels like on a console.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know whether the console variants of the game are locked at 30 and are you know utilizing any kind of performance, but it definitely feels like the game came out a little half-baked.
1: Well, that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, I am at least finding sort of enjoyment in the story of the game it follows a storyline that i'm very fond of from the comic books and getting to experience it without batman uh is it it's a divergence from the storyline that i'm at least interested in getting to pursue and getting to play as jason todd's red hood for as much of the game as i'd like is awesome
1: yeah, that sounds great. And also, like, the one cut scene that uh, everybody's posting about, I think it's, like, a ploy to get people to come play the game, is the scene in the beginning of the game where it's like, oh, if you're watching, the, it's Bruce Wayne going, or Batman going, oh, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I blew up the Batcave. Like, it's up to you. It's like, oh, I want to play the game just to find out what's going on.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, that whole scene is literally the first ten minutes of the game. And once you're once that scene's over, there's there's really, at least to what I've been able to um, what I've gotten to in the eight hours eight ten hours that I've played the game, uh, I haven't been able to see any payoff or explanation for that information.
1: Hmm. Well, hopefully, with uh with your ex- you put more hours into the game, we will see what comes from it. Hopefully, they uh, they pull like a cyberpunk and they update it to the. Frame rate gets a little better. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah,
0: in my my at the point where I'm at with the game right now, I'd say probably hold off on. If you're thinking about getting it, hold off on it. Uh, I don't. I've been playing it solo. There is a two player co op with potentially four player co op being introduced later down the line, but I don't believe that. Even playing it with co op would be able to rectify a lot of the loss in enjoyment from the performance of the game. Wow, uh, okay. So, I would do, my my recommendation is to hold off on that.
1: At the bearer of bad news today, we were talking about Tactics Ogre being like eh on the scale, and the Gotham Knights being eh on the scale. All right, so we're gonna move on now to
0: a new segment that we're just gonna we're gonna drop a little bit of information for you guys um, for this week. So if you're listening to this podcast on Friday when it comes out, or any day between Friday and Thursday the following week, uh, you'll be able to pick up a couple of new games on the Epic Game Store for free. Those games being Dark Deity a What seems to be Tactics Ogre-like RPG uh, looks 16-bit nature. Uh, It's an adventure strategy RPG from developer Sword and Axe. And that'll be on Epic Games Store for the week of November 17th to November 24th. And you'll also be able to pick up the Evil Dead game from developers Saber Interactive. This is going to be a co-op PvP multiplayer game a la uh, Dead by Daylight, where you get to play as characters from the Evil Dead series, um, most notable for being over-the-top uh Horror, oh, I want to say horror comedy from the uh, late 90s, early 90s. Yeah, it's uh, a horror
1: comedy. Yeah.
0: So you get to play as Ash from Evil Dead and multiple other characters that have shown up in the series throughout the years. That game will also be free on Epic Games Store from November 17th to November 24th.
1: Yep, I and believe that's all real sh- oh, I really saw this week for great game deals, especially free games.
0: Yep. We'll keep you guys appraised of any spectacular deals that we see coming up in the lead-up to each episode of the podcast. So, Kyle, the big thing that we are here to talk about this week is MMOs and their ability or inability to retain players. So what do we got Yeah,
1: yeah it's a big one. Uh, first off, th- do you play any MMOs?
0: I do not actively play any MMOs at this second. Uh, I have attempted to play a few MMOs over the years. Uh, I got into Warframe for a little while. I was like really deep into Warframe when it first came out. I've tried. I've tried (laughs) as somebody that never played RuneScape is you know when it was in its heyday. uh, I tried to go back and play uh, old school school RuneScape. That didn't work out.
1: What I love old school RuneScape. I used to play that when it was in a browser.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. No, I tried. uh, Just it wasn't my thing. I've never really been one for uh, MMOs or you know really these huge games that. Get have huge sweeping storylines that continue on without you. Uh, I think the most I've ever gotten into is I've played through uh, the campaigns for Destiny and Destiny 2. Those are yeah. about the closest that I've gotten to really being into an MMO. But I yeah. drop those just as much as I've dropped any other game. I just have more
1: hours into Destiny. Yeah, I, I get that. Especially a lot of MMOs, you get the to- you have to put the be willing to put that time into the game.
0: Yeah, and that's something but, that I've I've never really been willing to commit for something that kind of doesn't care about my in, involvement in the story. I think that's why I've spent so much time with Destiny is that at least in that game, they have cinematics and they, they get, make the game feel a little bit more personal. But Games like World of Warcraft or um, RuneScape or um, some of the other like Warframe, they don't they don't make the game feel personal.
1: Yeah, I I hundred percent get that. That's a a reason why a lot of MMOs bleed players. Yeah. Uh, So like World of War, one of the main main reasons like World of Warcraft when you're playing, it's you're like the hero, air quotes. Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't really feel like the hero. You just feel like another cog in the machine almost. Um so that's that's like a huge thing. But like I'm one of the main reasons a lot of MMOs are bleeding their player bases is if they're pay to win or not. Yeah. Like uh, a big example is like Black Desert Online. Okay. I've beautiful. heard of that game. I, I've tried uh, to play it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful looking MMO. The graphics are amazing. That was the thing that drew me to it. Was the the
0: game looked so um it so amazing and it was so visually distinct from the other offerings at the time.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And then like the action combat is just like beautiful graphics combat where I feel like I'm involved and I'm doing the combat versus just hitting one two three on my keyboard I actually have to like do my combos oh yeah amazing but what's the, the biggest complaint with that game is people when people say Black Desert Online everybody cries oh it's pay to win it's pay to win it's pay to win
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's uh, that's what people just don't like that especially western audience audiences we don't want to just we yeah. want to be rewarded for playing the game not for swiping my credit card
0: yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely something that I've also run into in my time. Is that you're not your time, especially, is not rewarded um, in a lot of these things. Uh, especially when if for somebody like me, I don't have a lot of time to play games. Um, you know, I have a few hours a day at most. Uh, just like a huge majority of our audience and the greater gaming community at at large. A lot of people are nine to fivers, you know, people that have families that are just trying to, you know, play games. No, not all of us are streamers that can sit there and put eight, twelve hours into a game a day.
1: Yeah, and it's like one of like the big things, like especially like games like New World, like Amazon's game, is just constantly bleeding players without it like stopping. Is if you take the best items and you put them in the cash shop. Well, what's the what's the point of me playing the game? Yeah. If, if the coolest armor set's in the cash shop, what well, what stops me from just swiping $20 and I have the coolest looking armor versus me rewarding me for, like, going out and killing the boss and giving me the cool armor?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, a lot... Some some MMOs aren't even respecting the, the credit card swipe um, nowadays, so there's... You know, there's no easy way to attain these, you know, pieces of you know gear that will give you an advantage. Yeah, so like take
1: World of Warcraft for example. It was once they introduced the WoW token. In my opinion, the game just—it's a pay-to-win game, hundred like, percent. Just...
0: for some of us, and may- myself, and maybe some of our audience, just uh, real quick. Uh, what's the WoW token?
1: The the WoW token is it's it's like twenty bucks I believe or twenty five dollars. It's you if you buy the token with your credit card, you can sell the token in the game's auction house, the store, in, the in-game store, for players, for in-game gold. Yeah. So you're pretty much swiping your credit card for gold. Okay. Okay or if you have enough gold on your character in game you can buy wow tokens with the gold to pay for your subscription for that month okay but a lot of people are just they don't do it that way like people who have been playing the game for like since it came out their accounts already have like hundreds of thousands of gold on them so they just get to play for free mhm cuz they just buy wow tokens but for like other people who get in and don't have that gold they can just be like oh if i just swipe my credit card for $20 I'll make thirty thousand gold and I can just go and buy whatever gear I want. I don't have to play for it, yeah. So it's like if you're just, if I just can insert my credit card and get all the gear, what's the point of me playing? Especially if I have to buy the game and then pay monthly to play?
0: yeah. and it it really it really is problematic. it because I understand that these companies that they've built their, infrastructure and their 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 whole finance behind retention of these games, you know, cuz if if people aren't staying with the game and they're not constantly paying, how do you afford to continue development? So it's kind of a catch 22 that I understand. I don't like it.
1: Yeah, it's like for like Destiny 2, they lock a lot of the cool cosmetics in their cash shop. Yeah, they like, do. Um, the a lot of the ships, we- the armor skins, the gun skins. It's I at the spend the money for it, and then all the DLCs that come out are $90.
0: Yeah. That's one of the biggest problems, is that a lot of these developers are putting out content and paywalling the content.
1: So you're paying, you're paying... Abs- what is it to play Destiny 2? If you want to play Destiny 2, from the base game's free, but if you want to play all the, the new content it's like so it's like two hundred dollars
0: yeah so if i remember correctly um it's the game base game is free and then you pay there's a bundle that's called the legacy bundle which gives you the first three dlcs that were released for the game i think that's uh forty dollars and then there's another bundle for the witch queen expansion which as of recording May have dropped, uh, but the last time I checked, it was $60. And that gave you access to the massive expansion um, that came out uh, last. And yep. then now we've got this new expansion coming out that Bungie says is going to change the whole game uh, and lead them you know, through their next few years of content. And that is... Almost ninety dollars for if you want really access to everything, because there's the DLC itself, but then there's also the season pass, which gets you access to seasonal content. So you know it's yeah it's almost two hundred dollars to be able to uh, to be able to play game like Destiny two start to finish without missing content or without being able to or or to keep yourself from having a problem like an inability to go on missions or um, enjoy content with your friends. Because if you're trying, if you and your friends are getting together and you're trying to play a piece of content and one person doesn't have that content, you can't play. Either that person has to go or they got to buy it.
1: Yeah. And I know with Witch Queen, because this happened to me is when I was going to buy it, it was on sale. It was like, the base Witch Queen was like it was like $30 on sale. Yeah. And then they had like the like the upgraded version of Witch Queen, not like a collector's, but like it just, was the know.
0: it was the bundle with the 30th anniversary Bungee
1: uh, content. Yeah, that one, but that was like special edition Witch Queen. Yeah. And if you, if you didn't buy the special edition Witch Queen, you couldn't play two of the dungeons in the game. Yep. You had to buy yeah, because that, they were season yeah, it was I was like, "Oh, this is such a I'm like, why do I why am I just sucking my money out?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an it's it goes back to what we were talking about before is that the the Catch 22 is these people, you know, players respectfully want to keep playing the games that they really enjoy. Destiny 2 has a great gameplay loop. I'm not going to lie. That game is fun to play. It's yeah, I not that. fun to have to constantly pay full game price as they develop new content and uh, as they shelve older content, because this is something that's also happening for a lot of MMOs is that they're shelving old content.
1: Yeah. Especially destiny is like, I remember spending like uh, almost a hundred dollars every DLC that comes out. And then some of those DLCs that I bought, like when it, the was like came out, uh, was it like five years ago now, five, 10 years ago, uh, I almost? believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, be, give me a second we'll find out right now
1: we'll find out there's when those yeah, DLCs it, it, came it's out, come out it came out a long time ago yeah this but like all those dlcs and stuff that came out when the game first came out you you can't play them anymore and it's just oh, what i spent a hundred dollars on yeah uh so it's like five uh, years five years so yeah five content from five years ago is just not playable now
0: yeah yeah, they've they've shelved the entire base game campaign at this point, um, meaning that if you played Destiny 2 when it came out, and if you came, if you're a new player, you're going to have vastly different initial experiences.
1: Yeah, which I'm a, I was a little upset that, like, they got rid of some, so much of the base Destiny 2 game stuff, because yeah. I feel like I'm just playing a shell of Destiny 1 now, with, like, the areas I'm going to.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But yeah, those are some of the reasons that like MMOs are just constantly bleeding players. It's just like a story that doesn't make you feel like you're a huge part of it. You're just kind of rolling with it. And Cash shops are populations. Any MMO that has a cash shop in it is bleeding players. Constantly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There is two MMOs that are actually trending up on their player bases. Okay. Yeah, uh, not including WoW. WoW is seeing a little bit of a resurgence right now, just because like Wrath of the Lich King came out for Classic, and then
0: I was about and- I, I was about to say as you were saying Wrath of the Lich King, I was like, wait a second, didn't that come out like ten years ago?
1: Yeah, it's for Classic. It's re coming out. Uh, you get to play you get to play Classic as long as you have an active subscription to WoW. Okay, but, and uh, you get all the DLC for free, I assume. You get to play all of Classic for free. And that includes stuff like Lich King? Yep. So it's a okay. classic Classic WoW, uh, Burning Crusade, Lich King is for classic. Okay. The other version of WoW, we call it retail, which yeah. is like the updated version. You have to buy the the last like three or four um, expansions. Okay. And like their newest one, what is it called? Like Dragonflight or something like that uh, just came out. So there's like a... Okay. Whenever an expansion comes out, the player base jumps up in numbers, and then they go, "Oh, this is terrible," and they it drops off again. <laughs> um, but with the two MMOs, it's funny that you mentioned old school RuneScape in the beginning because old school RuneScape and Final Fantasy XIV are actually trending up in numbers for player base. Okay,
0: I, I that's really wild to consider. I can only, I can see why RuneScape would be trending up. It. As far as my understanding is concerned, it had a small community for the last fifteen years, and you know it's easier to show a positive impact on your population numbers when you're starting small. Um, Mm -hmm. But Final Fantasy XIV, if I remember correctly, that's one of the biggest MMOs in the world right now.
1: Yeah, it is definitely one of the biggest MMOs in the world. Even though they follow a you have to buy the game and then follow subscription model. Yeah. If it turns out more people like that model versus a cash shop model. Okay. More because they don't really have a cash shop in Final Fantasy 14. Their, their cash shop is if you want to just go straight to end game content. Like you don't want to because the biggest thing about Final Fantasy XIV is the story. Okay. It's an MMO designed as a single player game.
0: Okay, that's that's the kind of MMO that I can respect and that I might be interested in and I know a lot of people might be interested in that because it if what I understand from that is correct it
1: puts you front and center in the story. Yeah, you're the main protagonist in the story. Okay. And it's great it's hundreds of hours of story with all the DLCs that are out for it now. Okay. And so what they they do such a great job of mixing this single player content with group content, and the group content is not—it's some of it's, I would you would say forced because you you have to like do a dungeon, but you don't have to do the whole dungeon. You can you only do like the end part of the dungeon to fight the boss with the story. Okay. Uh, but there's like there's group things to do in Final Fantasy 14. That's why it's still an MMO. You, I met a lot of friends on FF 14. Um, but the the whole story single player you can play the whole story by yourself. And that's just, that's just a great feeling of being like the game's rewarding my time. Okay. Because all the like special armors and stuff, you you get them while you're playing. Okay. So you can't buy it.
0: Okay. That's, that's really great. The fact that, you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting the con, the, the, the benefits for investing significant amounts of time.
1: Yeah, it's a game that respects a player's time and definitely repays your for you, repays you for your time. Okay. And uh, their cash shop really is if you don't want to play through like the say you already played through like the first the first portion of the game and okay. you want to just jump right into the end game of the content, but you don't have a character that's up to that level, you can you can buy a level boost.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so kind of what like. You're seeing, we're seeing right now with battle passes where you can buy levels of a battle pass, but this is levels for your character.
1: Yeah, and it's not like oh, I can buy like for like one dollar, I get level one to two. It's no, it's like thirty dollars, your character goes to level fifty. But, and
0: I assume fifty is the max.
1: Uh, I don't remember what it is at the moment right now, but I know the last expansion I was playing, I did get a character boost. So okay. I just want to go right to, I, I want to go right to the end game. I didn't feel like redoing a whole new character. Um, it puts you ten levels below. I think it's ten or fifteen levels below the max. Okay. So you start right, so at the max level.
0: There's still there's still some some rewarding gameplay there for spending some time instead of paying, going to max, and just being end game.
1: Yeah, and then another great thing I like about one mechanic Final Fantasy does no other MMO does uh, I know of is when you make a character, your character can play every class.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, so say you want to start off as, like, fighter with a giant battle axe. You're like, yeah, I'm a fighter. Oonga boonga. But then, like, <laughs> you're like, hmm, I kind of want to be a mage now. You just have to go get the mage's weapons and talk to that, like, the mage trainer. And you can, be, you can start playing as a mage. Okay. And then you level up mage. And they're like, oh, I don't want to play mage anymore. I want to be a ninja. And then you go and you have to do like a quest to find like the, the rogues guild. And then you equip the weapon and then you become a rogue. And then you can level that up to be a ninja.
0: Okay. So a real, the game is, you know, really giving you that Swiss army knife uh treatment.
1: Yeah. So like if you, I played the game, I played all through, I think it's called Lancer when you first started, you just, you have a spear. And then you level up to Dragoon, so you get like this cool black dragon looking armor, the spear, a lance, and then you do like these acrobatic stuff, and then I was like, ah, oh, I kinda wanna play mage. So like I grab the mage gear, but you just start like level one mage and then level work, level up that job, and then I was I had mage I could play if I wanted to play mage. So it's like a great thing I actually love about that MMO. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's that is Final Fantasy fourteen is is continually trending up in number of active players.
0: What are do you know what their like? What's their their active player numbers looking like right now? Like how many people are playing Final Fantasy fourteen?
1: Uh, I think last time I checked, it's like a daily players. Let me look it up real quick.
0: Because if the game, if a game like that can really sustain itself just by sheerly having a large number of players, it really should show that you don't have to milk your player base for every little penny.
1: Yeah, so the daily player limit uh, for this one site right now is 1.5 million people daily. That's the estimate of players per day.
0: That's actually wild because Um, I mean, um, this month that for this month, for any month, a million players a day is kind of insane because, I mean, we were looking at the player numbers for Steam charts for uh, just any game uh, when we were talking about Cyberpunk in episode one and. That I mean, we were even we were looking at like PUBG and I don't think. The PUBG was even coming close to those numbers.
1: Yeah, I think that's like world numbers, not just uh, North America numbers. But it, it's still 1.5 million so. people. And then it's saying they have over forty million subscribers. My God. Uh, because they they also do, this game does a really good job of uh kicking bots out. Yeah. An excellent job. If they sense any... Some people don't like it, some people do like it, because pe- the people who don't like it, they're like, oh, I can't put outside programs onto my account to make my gameplay just a little better, like plugins." The, the game just doesn't support it. They're like outside software, anti-cheat, whatever you want to call it. Well, it bans people in an instant if it catches it. So there's there's like no bots. Wow. That's
0: that's a real. Per- I I like it. I love that de- when developers are very proactive about making sure that their communities are, and enjoy- are getting the best version of the game. Um, when when you your your developers don't care about keeping the community safe, then you know you. That's why a lot of these MMOs are bleeding are bleeding. Player bases is because the player base doesn't see the benefit in, you know, anything that the developers are doing.
1: Yeah, so right now I'm looking at some WoW numbers. They have a trend, they're like it says they're up over four hundred thousand people a day, but their their average daily players is only eight hundred thousand.
0: That's insane. Um well it seems like the the genre as a whole has a lot to learn from Final Fantasy fourteen.
1: Yeah, so. Yeah, I know WoW is one of the games that I gave up because I just feel like they didn't respect any anybody's any lesser players' feedback. They kind of just like went off like the bigger streamers' feedback and it's just like that's not what the rest of the community wants and I just stopped fucking. Yeah. I think Fantasy I think WoW over great. the
0: years has had a lot more problems than just not respecting its player base, uh, that has definitely drawn it down,
1: yeah. The, the only, and then the other game that has like a trending up player base, like old school RuneScape, that blew me out of the water because I was like, that's such a niche game,
0: yeah. It again, going back to you know what it is, that game is old enough and can be run on literally anything that yeah i could definitely see them trending upwards in player numbers no matter what
1: yeah like i play it on my phone like you can go to the app store and download old school runescape to play on your phone and i play it a lot on my phone when i'm bored somewhere
0: i'm pretty sure that's a new
1: thing too right yeah it's like a new thing they did um i do know with old school runescape that like there is a bot problem yeah so i don't know like with these numbers, it's like, is it accounting for these bots? Is it not? But um, I tell everybody to try old school RuneScape. Like, it's free. Play it. It's just, it's like a click and cl- it's like a point and click adventure game. But I, I love it. It's it's just for nostalgia's sake. I love it. Yeah, I mean,
0: everybody has their their game preferences, and that should be respected. And developers should be respecting the players that choose to. You know, put their time into their games.
1: So, yeah. So but, if, if yeah. old school Runescape's your game, go for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but for like anybody that's like out there that's like, hmm, what MMO should I play? If you really want to get into an MMO, I highly recommend Final Fantasy fourteen.
0: Well, that's definitely from everything that you've said. It's definitely a resounding endorsement of final fantasy 14 as a game that really deserves its place uh in the genre so yeah hopefully we'll see more great things come out of final fantasy 14 as time goes on and they don't pull a u-turn on us and kind of give up or start to cash in on their player base so we'll uh
1: I don't see. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but we'll see. I know like New World, they're just really re- are releasing uh, a new expansions coming out and a huge content patch happened. yeah, so that, that that was fun. I did play that a bit, but it, it's new worlds just still played with its problems of there's a lot of areas just have shitty FPS. And I feel like all the really cool cosmetics are in a cash shop,
0: yeah, that's disappointing but i think from everything that uh, that we've seen regarding new world i don't think anybody's super surprised
1: yeah which was unfortunate because i was really i was really um rooting for the game when it was in development i was really rooting for it
0: yeah it had a lot of promise and just didn't deliver which i mean the gaming community is definitely not completely unknown to um, we've definitely seen games with huge promise flat, flat out fall on their face at the gate. So I'm not surprised, just disappointed.
1: Yeah, it's just developers. There's any developers listening to this? You're developing an MMO? No cash shop? No, don't do it. It's, just, it's gonna you're gonna kill your player base. No cash shops.
0: Yep. All right. Well, that's. MMOs. I think we've kind of brought that talked about everything that we, you know, there is to kind of broach on that subject. So, Kyle, what's our game recommendation, board game recommendation of the week?
1: Uh great. Uh, our board game recommendation of the week is uh it's a deck building game, a cooperative deck building game. Okay. For those of you some of you might know it, some of you know it, but it's called Marvel Legendary. Uh, for those of you who like the Marvel Universe and are looking for, like, a nice, easy game to play, that is a co-op game. I know a lot of people don't like to play super competitive games with each other. It is a co-op game. Marvel Legendary is a great game. Uh, it is a deck-building game. So, you, uh, so when you set it up, you're going to be drawing and buying cards from a pool to build a deck, and then you keep using that. To defeat villains in the city, and then ultimately try to defeat a mastermind who's trying to beat the player uh, in a certain scheme.
0: That's really dope. I, I like to see games that uh, don't pit you against your friends because every for every game group has uh, had the the monopoly syndrome at one point or another.
1: Yeah. So. But even for those people who are competitive and like want to feel like they they are the winner, there is uh, victory points in the game. So if like you're the hero heroist hero, like the, the best hero, <laughs> you can you can't be like, I did the most work, I'm the best hero, I won the game. So you can't do I that. I won harder. I won harder, I co-opt harder. Exactly. Um, that that is in the game. So there is victory point there is a victory point system that's uh, attached to the villains and other cards that you can count at the end to count your points.
0: Okay. Well, uh, it seems I, like the game's got something for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think a great part of the game is when you you put these decks together, there's a villain deck for the villains and then a hero deck. Okay, Each deck, every game will be different because you, you mix what heroes and villains you're going to be playing with.
0: Okay, so there's a lot of replayability.
1: 100% I think the base game itself Comes with I think 10 heroes Okay And when you build the hero deck it's you use 5 heroes Alright So you so pick out those you, 10, 5
0: Alright yeah So you know there's a lot of different Opportunities to play different characters Every time we bring out the game
1: Yeah and then there's just tons And tons and tons of expansions for the game Tons uh,
0: Okay what are we What are we looking at cost wise for a you know an, an, an introduction to the game You know how how much does it cost to get into Marvel Legend?
1: If you're looking for just the base game, it's going to run you. Uh, depending on where what retailer you buy it from and what condition you find it in, and I think a new copy is going to run you anywhere from seventy to eighty dollars.
0: Okay, but a new copy of a game with as much replayability as what you're talking about seems pretty reasonable.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I bought a brand new copy off of Amazon for, I believe it was seventy dollars. No, no sale. Uh, Holidays are right around the corner, so those sales might be out there. If it was, it's worth every penny, every penny okay. I put into it. And I've already put probably a couple hundred dollars into expansions.
0: All right, sounds great. Well, that's Marvel Legendary, a deck-building board game, tabletop game that you can pick up at many different retailers, including Amazon, like Kyle just said. And it sounds like a definite, definite recommendation for one of your bring-it-out-whenever-you-get-the-chance kind of games.
1: Yes, 100%. All
0: right. Well looks like that's gonna be it for us today um you can look forward to another episode of the podcast coming out next week we'll be back to most likely talking about more games more entertainment um what do we got going on in the future kyle
1: uh, I know. In the future, we're gonna have kind uh, like an anime special episode. We're gonna talk about some great animes coming out. Uh, bring back our guest host Frisky for a All right. Gundam yeah. episode. That'll be that's gonna be a lot of fun coming up in the future. Uh, and there's a bunch of game reviews. Uh, I know Sonic Frontiers just came out, and the new God of War Ragnarok. So we're gonna have to be able to talk about those.
0: Yep, and then we've got other games coming out in the near future that we're looking forward to. I know Callisto Protocol is looking real spicy. I'm definitely looking forward to that game. So we've definitely got a lot of stuff going on between now and the end of the year uh, to bring you into. So definitely hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform of your choice that you found us on. You can go over to at youtube.com and find us Pink Noise The Everything Podcast on YouTube. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash stonecold913. All right. And if you'd like to email us any questions, recommendations, or suggestions for the podcast, you can find us at pinknoise everything at gmail.com. And once again, I'm your host,
1: James. And I'm Kai.
0: And this has been the Pink Noise Podcast. Thanks for listening. Catch you later.
1: Later.